morning. It is Monday, August 23rd. You are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Lance Glenn. We have made it finally to the last week of the offseason. This Saturday is week zero, a nice slate of games to get you ready for what will be a crazy week one highlighted by games like Alabama, Miami, Penn State, Wisconsin, and of course, Georgia Clemson. Of course, my Rutgers Scarlet Knights open up Thursday, September 2nd at home against Temple. So I am very much looking forward to that. Before we start, I wanted to remind everyone that if you like what you hear, make sure to drop us a five-star rating and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We love to see your comments and are so thankful for any feedback if you want us to cover a topic we haven't already, or if we haven't hit your favorite team yet, as we preview all the Power 5 schools and some group of fives as well this offseason on the College Football Daily. Of course, if we have already covered your favorite team, and there's a pretty good chance that we have, considering we only have one or two left, and you missed it or you want to listen back, don't worry. We have all the episodes for you. Just go to Spotify, search for the playlist across the country with the College Football Daily, and listen as we preview your favorite program. We have almost reached our goal of previewing all Power 5 schools this offseason. Only two left after this episode. We've almost reached the finish line. Today, to march closer to the end, we are previewing the Purdue Boilermakers. Joining me to talk about Purdue and on the line now, covering Purdue athletics for the Journal and Courier out there in West Lafayette, Indiana, is Mike Carmen. Mike, how are we doing? Thanks so much for coming on today. Great. Thanks for having me. So, Mike, I want to start with the temperature of the fan base, right, specifically regarding head coach Jeff Brom. The first two years, they went to bowl games in both. Of course, in 2018, they had that blowout win over Ohio State, really the signature win of the Brom era so far. But since then, four and eight and then two and four last year in the truncated Big Ten season. Can you give me a sense of just the general fan base opinion right now on Brom? You know, is there any more leash with him or is this the year where it's kind of put up or shut up for the Boilermakers? I get this question a lot. Uh, What I initially tell people is there's still a lot of money at the end of that contract. So yeah, I remember after two years, they, they redid his contract, extended it out, paid him more money. So there's still a lot of money at the end of that contract. And Purdue's just not the type of university, at least right now, just to let somebody go and pay them a lot of money not to coach. Doesn't mean it won't happen. It's just that that's not their DNA right now. But I, you know, I will say I, I would say the temperature is is uh, lukewarm. You know, it's not boiling. You know, he doesn't got he, he doesn't have a free pass type of thing. You know, there there needs to be tangible progress this year. I mean, this season cannot be a, a disaster. When I say a disaster, you know, one, one and 11, two and 10, three and nine in that area. So there is uh, probably a little bit more cranked up pressure from the fan base, but you know, we'll see what happens with this season. And, you know, it's hard to say, oh, well, if they get five wins, they'll be fine or whatever. You know, you always have to take a step back and see how, how they achieved what they achieved and, you know, who they achieved it against. So, you know, I, I, I just clarify right now, just kind of, you know, it's lukewarm, but there's progress that needs to be made. Yeah, I'm sure the fan base would love another signature win, maybe this time against a Wisconsin or a, or an Iowa out there in the Big Ten West. Uh, I think the fan base would like just like for them to beat Oregon State in the first game yeah. <laughs> and then go from there. Oh, for sure. So beating Oregon State, obviously, this team, there's a quarterback competition ongoing right now between Jack Plummer and Aiden O'Connell. You know, it's funny. It seems like there's a quarterback competition at that spot really every offseason for Purdue, especially since Brom has taken over yet. Because of injury, they end up playing both quarterbacks at the same point anyway. You know, I think I remember back when I was in college, it was Elijah Sindelar and David Bluff. Where does the competition stand right now? 
when might a, I guess a starter be named and who would you point to as your leader for the job currently? Well, based on uh, the scrimmage that they had Saturday, we could not watch it. But just based on Jeff Brown's comments, I, I don't believe he's any closer to identifying his starting quarterback for the year. Offense did not have a good day at the scrimmage or the defense had a better day type of situation. And, and you're right. This has been an ongoing theme in Jeff Brown's tenure where he, he does. He loves competition. He loves for people to be in competitions and believes that brings out the best of them. And, you know, as you mentioned, David Blau and Elijah Sindelar, I do think in those couple of years, it did work. I mean, it did work because they were going back and forth. It pushed each one to to play at a higher level. And I think it helped help the offense succeed. You know, and I, I think he's banking on the same thing now. So it is probably Jack Plummer or Aiden O'Connell, but, you know, Austin Burton, a transfer from UCLA last year, didn't play, but I believe that he's made some progress and has joined the group a little bit because he offers a different kind of quarterback play. He's more of a runner than a, than a, than a passer. He's a dual threat. And, and Jeff Brom has been trying to incorporate some of those plays into his playbook just to give the offense a different look, maybe to help them on short yardage situation, which has been a struggle the last couple of years. My opinion right now is that Jack Plummer needs to win the job. I, I think, you know, he's been here long enough. He's was Brahms' first quarterback recruit. I, I think he needs to win the job just for his own sake. And I, that's not to disparage Aiden O'Connell because Aiden's done a really good job when he's played and led them to some come, come from behind victories a couple years ago against uh, Northwestern and Nebraska. So he's capable of playing, but I just think it's time for Jack Plummer to win this job. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see multiple quarterbacks play this year without an injury. I think that's kind of where I, I think it's headed unless – Whoever is the starter game one just takes off and doesn't let anybody catch him from that standpoint. But I wouldn't be surprised to see multiple quarterbacks play uh, this season for Purdue. So let's switch over now to the defense. And look, there were a lot of changes, to say the least, on the defensive staff. I believe from my reading, they have now three defensive coordinators, well, I guess co-coordinators, Brad Lambert, Ron English, and Mark Hagan. What does the hierarchy look like in that defensive coordinator room? And what do you think of that philosophy of bringing in really three equally experienced voices to, I guess, run one unit? You know, it seems like it's something that could really work out great because you're getting input from a bunch of different people, or frankly, it could turn out to be a disaster. Yeah, there's probably no middle ground in that in that situation. It's probably one or the other. Uh, I, I think number one, you know, the the Purdue had a disaster season on defense last year. Not in part everything on the field. It was a lot of things that happened off the field with Bob Diaco as their coordinator. There was not a lot of collaboration between the defensive coaches and everybody else. It it, it became a big issue. I think number one mission for Jeff this year was to find some experienced guys on defense that could work together uh, and then share ideas and, and, and collaborate. And Jeff is more involved in the defense this year. In the practices that we've watched, he's, he is more involved than he has been in the past. So when you have experienced coaches like they have on the defensive side, because Brad Lambert and Ron English are former head coaches, and Mark Hagan has worked at Indiana, Texas, Texas A&M, used to work at Purdue under Joe Tiller a long time ago, you have the personalities there to make it work. Now, with the co-defensive coordinators, that's just that's just for show. I mean, it's not... It's just to say, hey, you guys are equal. Okay, I, I don't believe there's any more money involved right now. I don't think there's anything like that. It's just you guys are equal, but Brad Lambert's going to call the plays on on game day. But it's just more to have everybody involved in it. 
and, and you know, and I think it can work because of the type of people that they have involved in that. Now, it, do, it won't prevent them from giving up big plays. You still have to have good personnel on the field. Uh, they plan to be a little bit more aggressive than they were last year. Uh, and if they do give up a big play, not to you know hang their head about it because that those things happen. You know, Purdue's never going to be a program that always leans on its defense. It's just not a three and out type of defense. They just need to get off the field on third down and they need to create some more turnovers, which everybody wants to do. But those two areas last year were really lacking. And if, you know, if they can do that and get the ball back to their offense and if their offense is humming, then they have a chance to to, to be in every game. But the defense just needs to play a little, with a little bit more fire and a passion and not be afraid to, to make mistakes, but also not be afraid to really go after it and, and try to make plays. And, you know, he's trying to get more playmakers on defense, especially in the secondary to really, you know, up the level of, of, of what what it needs to be. Yeah, certainly. You know, George Karloftis definitely needs some help on that defense for sure. Mike, a couple more for me. Look, obviously, David Bell is going to be the number one target for whoever the quarterback ends up being. You know, he's one of the best receivers in the Big Ten, maybe in the country, but they lose Rondell Moore to the draft. So there is a need for that weapon alongside Bell. Who are some of the names fans should watch that need to step up and, and be in that role next to Bell and provide production to replace all that Purdue loss from last year? Well, there, there are a lot of names there, and I do think they have some talent that can help fill that void. I, I don't know if one person can fill that void. I, I think it'd, it'd be a collective group that would step up. But guys like Milton Wright, who's been in the program a couple of years, he seems to be more mature this year. A lot of drops early in his career but seems to be making progress in that area. You know, when you go to the slot receiver position, which is what Rondell played, you're looking at two guys, Jackson Anthrop, who was back for his, I don't know, what, a 30th year playing for Purdue. <laughs> he, he'll play TJ Sheffield, who uh, did a good job in the return game last year. He gives them a speed element at the slot receiver. So those are two guys they'll lean on too. But elsewhere, Mashawn Rice hasn't played uh, the first two years at receiver. He's been injured, but he's a guy that, that has looked good in camp. You know, I, I think he's a big body. He can run. Uh, you can play jump ball with him, you know, in the red zone. I think he's a guy that could have a breakout year for Purdue, you know, when you start getting away from David Bell a little bit. But they have some depth there. Colin Sullivan is a guy that has, I think, played well in camp that can get into the rotation. And, you know, they just they they do have a lot of bodies there at the receiver spot. But as you said, you know, they're they're a little bit unproven as a group. But, you know, I, I do think they have some talent there. And, you know, a lot of it's going to depend who the quarterback is and, and all that kind of stuff and and whether they can, you know, have the time to get get the ball. But, yeah, David's going to be the number one guy and he should be. And he'll get a share of targets and touches and catches, uh, but they do need, they need to spread their offense out a little bit. Even though a couple years ago when Rondell had hundred some catches, they were, they were pretty balanced across the board as far as distribution. And I, I think that's something they need to get back to. So Mike, last one, and then I'll let you go. What are, I guess, fan expectations and, and your expectations for what this season will hold for Purdue? You know, have you made a prediction record-wise if they'll make a bowl? And if you have, you know, what what do you see going forward for the Boilermakers? I mean, I haven't really made a prediction. I just think this season is all about getting to six wins if you can't. Getting as close as you can to six wins, getting to a bowl game, kind of resetting things with the program, resetting things with Brom after, you know, two losing seasons and just kind of push it in the right direction. There's no, in my opinion, there's there's no grand illusion that this team is going to win the West in the Big Ten. There's no grand illusion that they can, you know, 
upset a bunch of teams, although they're going to have to beat some teams that they're not favored to beat to get to that six win mark. So to me, that's what the season is about is just kind of resetting things, pushing it in the right direction. But you do that by winning games and not losing to teams that you should. That's why I think the first first five games are extremely important for Purdue. You have Oregon State at home. You go to Connecticut. You know, Connecticut didn't even play football last year. You know, you go to Notre Dame, which is probably a loss. And then you have Illinois and Minnesota to close out your first five games. You know, Illinois is at home. It's a game, you know, you've won before, and that's a game that they, they need to win. Beating Minnesota would be such a big accomplishment. I know people don't say that a whole lot, but because Minnesota has kind of owned Purdue under Brom, and, you know, they both PJ and, and Jeff came in at the same time, and Minnesota's had the, the upper hand in that. So if you can get, if they can get to their open week in early October, three and two at the worst, maybe four and one if things go go correctly. I think that sets them up to have some success in the second half because there are some games in the second half of the year. They get Michigan State at home. They do go to Nebraska and they've they've played well against Nebraska in the past. They have IU at the end. They have Northwestern. There's some games there that if they can get on an early roll that, you know, might go in their favor in the second half. But I, I'm just to me, if they get to six wins, you know, maybe even five, you know, I, I think that would be a, an accomplishment for, for this team. And then then you, then at that point, you really have to push it forward. He covers Purdue Athletics for the Journal and Courier out there in West Lafayette, Indiana. Look, it's an important season for Jeff Brom and Purdue overall. Mike, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate you giving me some time today. All right. No problem. Thanks for having me. Remember that if you like what you hear, drop us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcast. We have some exciting things in store for this coming season, so make sure to tune in every single day, as always. For Mike Carmen, I am Lance Glenn. I will be back with you tomorrow for the next edition of the College Football Daily.